You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Thursday. Now, look, I have not done a um, events that you should know about in a minute. So I wanted to come on here and do that today before I actually drop my interview with Miss Margaret Avery. If you guys don't know who Miss Margaret Avery is, child, that is who played Sugar Avery in the original version of The Color Purple today. OK, so we're going to get into some things you guys can get into this week. Plus that interview all today right here on Rewild with Basa. First and foremost, I have no clue why I still have my AirPod in. Second of all, once again, welcome back. It's time for another episode of Rewind with Besa. So for today, I want to start out with doing some events because I know a lot of times you guys are like, oh, I wish I knew about this sooner. So I'm going to let you guys know about stuff happening today all the way down to the 26th of October because I don't want to hear it. So with that being said, in terms of different events happening in Seattle that you should know about, for starters today, there is a plethora of things, okay? There's a Thursday night social happening over at Vu Lounge. There is something real happening at Gold Bar with my good sis DJ Lady Coco. Um, there's also a rooftop happy hour happening at Noir Lux Candles. And is this today too? No, this is tomorrow. Tomorrow, there's going to be a downtown Kent wine walk. Then on the 15th, there is a shattering stigma through knowledge. Um, I want to say this is like a domestic violence event. Um, you have a October 15th and 16th mischievous event. There's going to be a whole lot of local performers. And I want to say it's also a two-day costume contest then on october 16th you have the black trans joy party seattle edition and this is actually going to happen at the southgate roller rink also happening this month chris rock is coming to town he's going to be here on the 18th through the 19th over at the paramount we also have ace hood coming to town he will be at nectar on october 26th and lastly on october 27th there is going to be a costume game night mixer happening at still liquor Hopefully you guys are going to be able to make it to at least two or three of those events. I know there's so many more, but I just want to make sure I gave you guys a nice range of different things happening. Of course, in the next couple of days or even next week, I'll come back and let you guys know some more things that are happening around Seattle that you should know about. In the meantime, between time, we're going to go to a quick commercial break before we jump into today's interview. Get ready, everyone. October 24th and 25th, Conversion Media is heading right back to the Paramount Theater. Join me, Vesa Gordon, Eric Calligraphy, Trey Holiday, and the entire Converge Media family as we once again broadcast live with conversations on art, culture, mental health, community issues, and more. Trust me, you won't want to miss a single moment. Head over to whereweconverge.com for more information and we will see you October 24th and 25th streaming live across all Converge Media platforms. Hey there, it's Trey Holiday. And of course, Besa and I had to take a trip back to Market Street Shoes to grab some items. They always know what to show us. And let me tell you, we both spent quality time to be sure we collected some amazing additions to our wardrobes. They have some of the most unique bags, shoes, and accessories. I mean, the whole shebang. It's always a good time when I get to shop with my girl, Besa. Make sure you go check out Market street shoes y'all and you too can walk out with some dope gear So, look, you guys, this is going to be a very, very special episode of Rewind with Besa. Um, I think everyone that I know, at least, if I do know you and you've never seen the color purple, we have to talk about that. <laughs> um, I recently someone um earlier or not even earlier it was a couple weeks ago and i mentioned the color purple and how i was doing an interview with the lovely miss margaret avery and they were like oh what's that about and i was like how old are you how have you not seen the color purple what is going on here um miss margaret avery is obviously known best for her role as shook avery in the color purple but she's also right now the movie it's the, the movie. original movie to be exact um but right now you can also see her on block party which happens to be on uh bt plus which looks really interesting by the way now i first starters want to welcome you to the rewind and once thank again you. i know i said this off camera but thank you so much for taking this time to talk oh, with me 
It's my pleasure. It's always fun to talk to you young people. <laughs> <laughs> well, shoot, hopefully, not even hopefully, we're definitely going to learn some things from you because I think with well, someone like yourself that's been in the game for so long, you have so much wisdom. It's like getting a job. You can read the manual, but a lot of the things that you really learn within these jobs it's kind of like trial and error. You do something or someone's not able to really teach you everything. And a lot of your experience really does come from someone else's experience being like, hey, I tried this. That didn't work. Or for you, it's like, hey, I talked with my agent about this. That didn't work. So I definitely want to talk about that. Um, but for starters, for people that don't know, um, I would love to know how you actually got into acting. Well, what people have to, re well, think back, back in the 60s, we didn't have blacks in commercials or on television. So when I came to Los Angeles to, uh, after teaching, I decided that this was really my passion. And even though I didn't have any prospects, I continued to study acting while teaching and hope, and this is all in believing in yourself, that someday your dream can come and you've got to be prepared. So that's what I would say to young people, figure out how you can prepare for what you want to do. And with me, it was studying acting, it was taking classes, it was taking dance classes and voice classes. When A, I couldn't get an agent because they were telling me, well, we don't have your type. However, with that belief, and me getting an answering machine at that time in the 60s, you had a uh, answering service, live answering service that they picked up on your phone ring after so many rings, you designate how many rings. And I was home one day and my, fo my phone just rang and rang and rang. And I called in and said, do you have any messages from Margaret Avery? And they said, no, we don't. So I said, mm-hmm, one of these days I will have an agent and an agent will be trying to tell me about a job. So I need to get myself an answering service. And at that time, an answering service was as big as your laptop, honey. <laughs> and it cost me 400 and something dollars. As a teacher, I was only making, uh, netting $400. But at that time, gas was 35 cents a gallon. Okay. Even my, my message is because I believed and I wanted it to happen, I prepared mm. for that call. Mm. So I didn't know how it was going to happen, but, but, but the spirit tells you, come and since learn what it is that you want to do. So if it's something that somebody else is doing that you want to do, try to hook up with them and ask them, how did you do this? How did you do that? And what should I be doing? And that's a start. And it's almost like the universe will bring it to you if you're reaching out for it and prepared and prepared because when that opportunity comes, you better be ready because you can't blow that opportunity you may not ever get it again oh my goodness my one of my bosses has been telling me about that so much lately he's like you're in such a position to where you have so many things but you might not always be in this position like you have to be ready to go now have you like actually seen any people in your career like in the span that you've been out here to where it's like you know without saying any names obviously you know that they could have been in like five or six levels higher, but because they were not prepared for the amount of work that it would have taken for maybe a role, they didn't get it? Well, I don't know the answer to that one, but I do know that there have been actors of color uh, before me who were prepared, but were not given the opportunity because of color. Mm -hmm. uh, why was why was Cleopatra uh, uh, starring uh, uh, Elizabeth Taylor. Cleopatra was black. Yeah. But they, you know, with us not being in any decision making positions at that time, and even now we need to be more in to green light a film, to green light what kind of casting. Dorothy Dandridge, our beautiful woman, who inspired me to become an actor. She could have been a bigger star. She should have her picture on a ship. Uh, but what happened to her? 
And the days that my dear, dear Cicely Tyson, those years, there were years that she didn't work. I was wondering what happened to her. It wasn't because there wasn't uh, work that she could have done. It was the opportunity to do that work. So after Color Purple, and I'll just throw this in, mm -hmm. after Color Purple, I couldn't even get a manager. I went around trying to get a manager and say, and the manager was saying, well, what can I do with you? I, I thought, uh, help me get work. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, what are we, what, what we going to put you in? Remember, we didn't have our Spike Lees and, and all the wonderful women of color directing now. And there was nothing there. Eight years prior, there was the wonderful film Founder that Paul Winfield and Cicely Tyson starred in. If any of you saw that, I mean, it's a classic. If you haven't seen it, see it. And it was all about family strength and love for one another. And it was a very positive film and very positive for our, our men of color. So when Color Purple came out, you would think that there would have been something for us, but the only person that, that gained from the Color Purple at female was Whoopi because she had a three-picture deal. She mm -hmm. went from the Color Purple to... Um, it wasn't the one that she got. I think it was lightning something, uh, but it was three pictures. And she was very talented as a comedian. So she hooked up with the other white, very established comedians and did. I, uh, I th they went around and raised money for some fun. It was Robin Williams and another comedian. Um, so she was able to get her career really going. And then Oprah, she was already a star in, in Chicago with her one her show that beat out other people. And it became syndicated during the time that Color Purple was being released. So everybody was thinking, oh, isn't, uh, isn't it wonderful that Oprah got her show because of the Color Purple? No, she was a big star in Chicago for years yeah. with her own show. So I'm saying now what's so wonderful is that there is opportunity. There's opportunity out there when you see our wonderful women of color directing and different that just the, just to be able to turn the channel off of a black film that you don't like and, and turn to something else on Netflix and Hulu and all these others. Uh, young people have a wonderful time now. The only thing, as I said before, we still don't have people in those green light positions mm. of control in the studios to be able to green light this, this, this picture, because we have a lot of wonderful stories that never get green lighted. That makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I forget what show it was recently, but someone was upset that it wasn't uh, done by someone black. Oh, I think it was a uh, woman king. People were saying that they were upset about that one because it wasn't. Well, let me tell you this. Color Purple would never have been done if it wasn't for Steven Spielberg. He was the only director on of all the studios that agreed to do that because he was the only one he was the only one that Quincy Jones who 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 uh, pushed the film and was going around trying to sell the film the idea he couldn't get anybody but Steven Spielberg there there were no blacks that had that kind of power that this that the studios would allow or to trust to do a film so before they start complaining about the white person doing it, what you need to do is start trying to push how can we get blacks in those positions that green light that film. So that way it can actually come out once it's written. Absolutely. So that's another thing that I don't like about social media, because too many people have their own comments based on ignorance. And things that they've never experienced. Never experienced. They just feel like they can get in on the conversation. And it's just really painful to hear all the ignorance. 
Now, I'm curious, uh, obviously, you do a great job of doing your own makeup, but I've heard some stories about glam teams from back in the 60s and the 70s when it came to black women getting their hair and makeup done. How does it feel now when you go get your hair done and your makeup done and you're on set? When I step into that makeup trailer and see my people's Lord have mercy, I just I just always smile. Hallelujah. Because back in the day when when they did let us be in film and that's beside and that's I'm talking about after the black exploitation films that the young people don't know about, probably. But once we started doing television allowed to do television uh, i'd get in the makeup trailer and uh if i didn't have my own makeup tough titty <laughs> because those women here, here's how it works in california i don't know how it is in other states but in california black cosmetologists they go to take the state exam and they have to have to be able to do caucasians Mm -hmm. Whereas Caucasians, when they take these in, they don't have to do blacks. So they don't know anything about our hair at that time. Wow. And so it, you had to do your own hair. I had to do my own makeup. If I didn't want to look ashy, because if you look at the older films, the, the, the studios used Ben Nye and Tuttle made the diff the makeup and they didn't make our color yeah. and those white uh, makeup artists and hairdressers they didn't even feel like they needed to learn they knew we were coming on set but would they, would they would they like uh, do the research no we're on our own and i recently within the last two years worked a show that gave me that attitude i walked on it was a tv show i won't say which one it was I walked in the tra uh, the trailer and they just looked at me like, uh, really? And I said to them, feeling this injustice, I said, don't worry. Don't worry, ladies. I brought my own. I can do it. I don't think they felt insulted. But I understand now that that very big TV show, now the the black producer on it has changed that she has black people working and i said hallelujah that's what we have to do in this business bring our own bring somebody with you when you make it you bring somebody with you and teach them so that we can continue to work in this door that's open for us now because yeah. it's a close if we let it they only let one person in when I, like I said, after Color Purple, remember how they used to have, um, if you were a big star, you could have your name as you did a commercial. If you a, a commercial was showing, they would print your name out there. Mm -hmm. uh, I, Honey, my commercial agent laughed at me when I said that. Can I have my name on the commercial? He just laughed. Now that was back in 86, 87. So um, there's, there's a, oh yeah, like, uh, nigga, please. That was his laugh. <laughs> it's so crazy. And you know, what's interesting to me now, it's like back then I feel like people were more upfront with their racism and uh, their elitistness, if you will. But nowadays it's almost like, oh, well, I can't really tell you what I really think. You know what I mean? Well, I don't know. I don't know because, uh, for me, I feel like since the former president was in office, all this racism and how they feel is just right out in the open. They're, they're not even shameful with it. They're just blatant. So your experience has been different than mine. Yeah. Um, so I'd like to hear your experience. You know what's funny? I live in Seattle. So uh, with Seattle, one thing that people say, and I've always lived in Seattle, so I don't really know much different, but sometimes I can feel the undertones. Mm -hmm. And a lot of my friends that come from down south or they live down south, they're like, I like it down south better because I know what I'm working with. 
Uh-huh. Here in Seattle, they'll sometimes smile in your face. They'll act like they like you when really they're really only dealing with you because they sometimes need that black person in the building uh-huh. or they're dealing with you because they can't get rid of you. And there's someone else that's saying this person needs to stay here. So it's sometimes a lot of like tongue in cheek out here in Seattle to where they don't necessarily really tell you where they truly stand with you. You mm-hmm. kind of have to like read in between the lines and kind of just feel it out or just automatically know like okay I'm black I might have a little bit of a bigger personality than everyone and it gets to a point to where you have to stop kind of dumbing yourself down and just be like this is what it's going to be and it took me a minute to get to that point to where I was like I'm going to stop acting like I am just a shell of myself and you guys are just going to have to take me for what I am but in those moments you sometimes kind of can feel that tension Um, and as, and as uh, the, our former first lady said, when they go low, you go high. And uh, I remember someone told me once I was working with uh, the school district here and there was one of the supervisors that was really, really mean to me. And to the point that I went to my car and actually cried. I mean, I couldn't figure out why was she so mean? and so. Uh, one of my coworkers who was also a supervisor or became a supervisor, she says, you know, continue to be yourself and be nice, be cordial, but you know where she's coming from and use that as your strength. Knowing, because knowing is power. Knowledge is always power. And you can use it in a way that benefits benefits you for your highest good you don't want to get all like you said the angry woman because you'll never win that way go along with it without losing your dignity i'm not saying don't let don't be kissing no behind to get along with anybody but just be be what god would want you to be uh without taking too many slaps because i don't know i don't believe in turning the other cheek <laughs> yeah, yeah, at some point you have to be like so what you're what you are going to do is respect me though like we're not going to and think that i'm someone's doormat like we right, are right 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 i mean that you can't even do that with a man i mean hey <laughs> don't be no doormat <laughs> okay um question you know all with everything that's going on these days how do you keep your peace? How do I keep my what? Your peace. Like, how do you like find that happy place for yourself? Oh my goodness. Now that is a challenge because years ago when trans back in the seventies, transcendental med- meditation was very popular. And I learned how to do that. And what you did was you meditated 20 minutes in the morning before starting your day and 20 minutes in the evening before going to bed and i got out of that uh i think that meditation is very important um and i'm challenged now i i'm not going to be no hypocrite because i find myself even now as a caregiver not taking care of myself and women you know we are naturally caregivers yeah so to even schedule soaking in the tub uh, for for 20 minutes have taking your time to do that i know it's challenging you almost have to like schedule it and just make yourself it's almost like losing weight just making yourself you can do this <laughs> just put the clothes on get the shoes on and walk out the door and don't think about it <laughs> but right now it's like i'm dealing with a lot of changes in my life and uh one thing I have to do is get my exercise in because my metabolism isn't the same as it used to be. I'm not used to not being able to eat whatever I want, whenever I want. Yeah. Uh, you, you just can't as you get older. And my discipline is down the tubes. I really have to focus on saying, okay, Margaret, because the hardest part of the exercise, and I'm sure all of you who hear this, is doing it. Yeah. Just just doing it and I feel so much better when I have and it's not like it has to be a long time if you could just do 20 minutes yeah being consistent with it that's the challenge 
being consistent because you can't make up you can't make up for lost time you that just part. have to get back to doing it so um that's what i'm working on putting in my doing the steps in the hill hollywood hills here we have a fire escape steps mm-hmm. and uh there's like 200 of them and i'm telling you my heart is racing when i'm doing it and then come back and do some leg exercises and stuff get some good old aretha franklin music on or whatever it takes to get my mind off it not being comfortable <laughs> I think that's why it's so important to have like a workout playlist. Like I have a playlist where sometimes it slows down a little bit then it picks up or I'll have like switch up the song to like something Beyonce that's like really impactful. I'm like, okay, I have five minutes left. Yeah. I can do this. But the real thing I think uh, for good health is it's physical, mental and spiritual for me it's important for me to get my prayers in because i know good and well god has carried me through some stuff i believe in that footsteps in the sand and there are times when i've gotten through stuff that i just i don't think i could have done it without my belief that god was going to help see me through yeah I think there's um, a lot of things that all of us could say for that, especially even like car accidents that I've been in. I was like, I should not have gotten out of that. Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> I mean, even for color purple, once I found out that I was cast, I was just all oh, because I believed I would be cast. When I read the, uh, uh, Alice Walker's book, I just gravitated toward the role it should. I just knew that role was for me. And I never even thought that I wouldn't get it. But honey, do you know that when I was cast and then found out all the big stars that had auditioned for that role, I started doubting myself. I thought, oh, my God, you mean she didn't get it? Oh, my God. Oh, and she did. Oh, they must have made a mistake for me. They shouldn't have cast. I started talking myself out of the 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 the. the 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 blessing that I had earned and I when I realized that I got on my knees and prayed to God please give me the courage to believe in me that I can do this and that's what I mean by face Mm -hmm. because sometimes we are our worst enemy we have to believe in ourselves even i mean it's like i had to gain 30 pounds in 30 days for that role wow 30 because the director steven spielberg wanted me to be between the size of oprah and whoopi and whoopi was very thin at that time Mm. and he um steven set me up with this little five foot two blue eyed blonde workout woman. Oh, I used to call her names. She would make me do reps that I didn't think I could do. And uh, that's why I say if you really want to go beyond yourself with workouts and you need you do need a personal trainer because they will give you confidence because she would say, come on, do one more for your mother. And I, you, I, I remember saying, screw my mother. <laughs> And I didn't didn't use the word screw either, (laughs) but I did that one more rep that that was killing my arms. But when I saw that, the first scene that we shot was the jute junk scene. And if any of you ever see the film, uh, I'm in in a dress that my, my arms are exposed, that red dress, and Stephen helped us allowed us to see dailies a lot of directors don't Hmm. but i was able to see what we shot and i said just thank you jesus my arms look so good and i had the little pooch in my stomach that the women the female singers had at that time in the 1920s and i said just thank you jesus thank you jesus because i didn't really gain the weight the, the, the scales didn't tip until it was like a week and a half oh, wow. before the film started shooting. So all the stuff that I ate to gain weight then, which was good food, I tried to stay away from now. From uh, And it was um, 
avocados and whole wheat bread and good stuff. But how I treated myself, I have to tell everybody I did get <laughs> enjoy that time because I would get set my clock at two o'clock in the morning and I would eat myself a whole pint of haagen a vanilla ice cream. Lord have mercy. Wish I could do it now. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're like, well, I'm just going to burn it off later on anyways. <laughs> if this, I'll never be, I said, I'll never have the, the privilege of having to gain weight. So let me do it. So question, you know, a lot of people talk about method acting. How do you not lose yourself in these roles? Well, I don't know that I can not lose myself because acting is being the character. Uh, and I'll tell you why that is important to me. I started out on stage and on stage. Now, you can't nobody's there to say cut when you make a mistake or nobody's there to cover you when an actor on the stage jumps to the third act in lines and you're really in the second act you gotta like bring that actor back in character to where we, we actually are mm. i remember doing a play in uh in shreveport louisiana uh remember the wedding that's what it was and the little actress who was fabulous what was her name she was like a little young merle street I've been watching for her I, and I know she's going to be a, a wonderful actress, is a wonderful actress, but she was whispering to me, she said, she whispered, said, uh, I, the character's name was Honey and he was my uh, younger brother. She whispered to me, Honey's not here between her lines. And I looked around, the actor Honey was supposed to be on stage about to speak. And when she told me that, oh, my God, I don't know how I did it, but I just went into this monologue talking to her, making up, just making up a conversation to her, to balling her out about something she did. Then I went upstairs, told her to come on upstairs, da, 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 da. And then I, the, the actor in me, Margaret Avery, said, God, if I have her upstairs, the blocking's going to be horrible when he comes back on stage. So I'm still making up this this dialogue and we go back downstairs and finally the actor shows up. Somebody I understand later was went backstage somewhere in another room. He had he was <laughs> going over his lines or something. Oh. I don't know. <laughs> Lost track of time. Yeah. And so he came back on he got on stage and my line was Honey, I'm so glad to see you. When I saw him, I said, honey, <laughs> I'm so glad to see you. <laughs> In that moment, you really were like, no, seriously, where were you? <laughs> I wanted to say, MF, where have you been? God damn it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> but the, the point is that I'm trying to make is that when you learn that character, and learn the the procedure in how to to believe that character is you when something happens on stage you somehow the 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 dialogue comes out of you as that character yeah. and that comes from studying yeah and if you notice all the wonderful people out there today in film are from stage. Mm. Viola Davis, Angela B Bassett, uh, Lawrence Green, uh, uh, everybody, anybody you can you can see that's that's notable now. There, there is stage. It's their stage background. It's not accident that they go from project to project and be brilliant in them. I understand Viola Davis now is wonderful in this new film that's come out. Yeah. But that's because she knows how to go into character and sustain that character. And mm -hmm. it's not, she's not personality acting. Gotcha. There's, like some, there's a lot of actors who can just be themselves and it works. Mm-hmm. 
but they're not doing, you don't see a different character with them, with each part that they play. I see. And that, and so that, is that like the actual name of that? Like personality acting when you're like, well, that's what I call it. I mean, (laughs) there, and and look, a lot, a lot of luck. I love it. Um, Question. How have you like stayed up on your acting skills over the years? Like, is this something that like you feel like you have to practice or do you just have to keep going from film to film? And actually, you know what? Backwards. Do you ever feel like it's hard to come back out of that role? Oh, you mean like uh, when I did The Color Purple or something? Yeah. I think that more with stage it's hard to come out of a role. I don't like to do a real down, depressing role if it's going to be during uh, holidays because it's hard for me. I don't. I want to spend my holidays, Thanksgiving and Christmas, with family, and I don't want to be down with that role. And I notice that it's even harder because your question is, how do you get rid of it? It's Sometimes I, I noticed once I was doing a particular character in a in a play, and then when I had auditions for other characters for television, some of that character would come out. Oh wow! So, so it's like um, you have to be able as an actor to be able to have different exercises in between roles so that that one role doesn't affect other roles. And when you're developing that new role, if you have time to do that, which is which sometimes with television, particularly episodic television, you don't have time. They're not giving you much time to prepare anymore. But by being able to do other interpretations of a scene, Mm -hmm. stay on top of that, because I'm finding that a lot of times I'll prepare for television now uh, and episodic and sometimes even these little independent films. I have very little to work on to prepare for the character. They only give you a scene. You don't, they're, everybody's scared now. They don't send you the script anymore unless you're on the A-list. Oh, wow. Um, they don't send you the script because they, they're afraid somebody's going to steal their script. So you just have the, the, the scene. And it's difficult for me because the way I learned to act is you, you, you can develop a character by when you read that script, what other people are saying about your character. Mm-hmm. And you, you can build by, uh, reading different scenes but uh, what was my what would my feeling be as that character about that scene a lot of stuff and so um the more right now the way casting is done for television the more ways that you can uh read a scene uh interpret uh, how you deliver a scene i think is a real advantage because I've found a couple of times I've gotten locked in to how I felt the scene should be. And then when they gave me a redirection, it was difficult. And a part of the difficulty is that the people who tell you the description for the character, they're not the writers of that character. Mm -hmm. There's some kind of a people that they hire to just write a description and sometimes they're wrong so to have to be able to readjust on spot has been a difficulty for me plus you're working now with directors who don't really know about the acting process they've gotten this opportunity to rep to direct but they don't know how to direct actors such as myself Mm. so if they if you happen to be able to guess what they want. Uh, you're in like Flynn because they don't know how to tell you what they want. That's unfortunate. Yeah, it is. So I've gotten to the point where I don't read for scenes anymore. You either look at my reels and trust that I can do it, but it's a waste of my time now. 
Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Like you said, it's one thing for you to give me like this one little piece of paper, but it's like, I don't know how these other characters perceive me. I don't know like how close I really am to this Mm -hmm. character. So it definitely makes it a little harder to create that bond with whatever character that you're trying to play. But that's why I say that if you can get a scene and then practice just doing it different ways, even though uh, different interpretations may not make sense to you, but you never know what that director wants because he's not going to be able to. The director may say, well, uh, be more mad. Well, why are you mad? I mean, (laughs) what happened? I didn't read the script. So you and you haven't told me the script. And when I when I got to my agent and asked them different questions to ask the casting director, they never got back to me with those answers like, what time of year is it? Where, where, where are you in the South? I don't know. Should I have a Southern accent? If it's rural, if it's city, how, how old should I be? I mean, all these things. And then they want you to pull it together on the spot. Why can't you give me the respect to answer my questions before you want me to read? Do you think I don't, I don't prepare? Which reminds me, young people, (laughs) I don't think they, people, the actors now have to deal with this, but there was so much prejudice back in the 80s. After the color purple, people wouldn't cast me, white directors, white casting people wouldn't direct me because they said, well, we love Margaret in the color purple, but we need someone who can speak really good grammar. I didn't prepare for the role. Merle Street, she does all kinds of dialects and whatever, but a black actress can't do that for a role. So the assumption was that you spoke like that 24 right. seven in your normal right. life, that that wasn't actually a role that you prepared for it. And that, and that's different. something that the young people don't have to deal with today. I don't think so. There another part, another role that I missed out on was because um, the white casting or the white director didn't believe that my character could be an attorney in the south they wouldn't believe that so i mean at that time uh the white directors in that system perpetuated the prejudice and i don't think much of that is being done today hopefully in the way that i experienced it which definitely, I think, plays a role in what little boys and little girls feel like they can and can't be when they get older. It's like if all that these kids are seeing are roles of people just doing one, maybe three different roles all the time on TV and different movies. And sometimes they're even winning awards for that. It's like, oh, that's the only option that I have. Right, like, right. I, I mean, just just me as a little girl, the first time that I saw Harry Belafonte and Dorothy Dandridge in a film, I then first, for the first time in my life, in a movie, seen a woman who was slim. I guess I was skinny as a rail at that time. Because at that time, before seeing Dorothy Dandridge, I believed that I could never be an actor because I wasn't way overweight. Mm. <laughs> So, I mean, images are important, which means also brings me back to the color purple, why it was, you know, not accepted by black men. And, um, and, all, and we can get into that another time if you like. But uh, images are very important to people, yeah. particularly people who have not been around people of color. And they're learning from what they see in film. I mean, even me, after seeing The Godfather and all these different uh, films about the mafia, again, me believing that a lot of Italians are mafia and pickle faced. (laughs) 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 You know, and all they eat is spaghetti. I mean, anytime you see the Italians in the film eating, it's always spaghetti. And then and I know that's not true. You. How do you know? <laughs> I mean, I know that can't be true, but that's what's projected. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, speaking of roles, though, have you been able to play your dream role yet? What is my dream role? 
I would love, I, I just want to play a real down nasty bitch. Oh, <laughs> you know, I want to play somebody with a lot of huspa. You know, I always get cast as a nice person, you know, and I love comedy. If I could just do more comedy, which which block party gave me the opportunity to do. And recently uh, I worked with um, the lovely Robin uh, Givens. She cast me in a small role with comedy. And because uh, I, I haven't hadn't I've been stuck with drama for what, three decades after Color Purple, I could never do comedy. And I started out doing comedy. I held my own with the late, wonderful Richard Pryor. Wow. That whole thing was comedy and and improvisational theater, as you can say, because he would never stick to the script. You just had to go along with it. And so that's why I say, young people, be prepared in every way that you can, because at the time that I co-starred with Richard Pryor, I was coming off television, they, they, the opportunities that they had given me then. Um, and you with television back in the 70s, I mean, you knew your role. You got the script ahead of time. The director only told you where you wanted, where he wanted you to be. By that time you walk over there, say the line such and such. That's the direction we got. So I had it like right in my head, exactly what I would say. Da, 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 da. But with Richard, and I've said it before, the very first day working with him, we're set up for the shot. And he said, wait, wait, wait a minute, Michael. Michael Schultz was the director. He runs over to Mount Michael at the camera and he says, and uh, I'm going to do this and then da, 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 and then I'll do this. And Michael is just chuckling and, and nodding. He said, yeah, yeah. And Richard walks by me and we get ready to shoot. And I said, well, Richard, uh, uh, and then what do I do? He looked at me. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I thought I would pee on myself. I said, oh, my God. And then once again, faith in God. Lord, please don't let me blow this. Okay. Let me let me, let me go back to improvisation. What did I learn in improv? Go with the moment. Whatever he says, you never deny it. You go with it and make your own dialogue that fits that dialogue. Don't let me be nervous, dear God. Let me just go. And I did. And see, that also comes with you being prepared and also doing improv classes. I think a well, lot of people absolutely. They don't want to like take classes, get lessons. Like they don't want to mm -hmm. do like the background work to actually perfect their craft of acting. Yeah, well, you know, and I've had acting teachers tell me that they get so tired of teaching for, with kids who come in and they say, teach me how to get a series. You know, even my masseuse had said he didn't even want to teach anymore. People were saying, his students were saying, teach me how to mix. I want to make the big dollar in Beverly Hills. How do I massage them? I mean, we cannot, there's no, there's no excuse for, for not having knowledge. You have to put in the time. There's, you can't try to get a free ride. And who wants, who wants somebody operating on them who just doesn't have any experience and just learned from cheating on exams because, or they got into school, not really uh, qualified, but their father put in, uh, donated a lot of money. I mean, who wants that? And I think of myself with my old age, I'm thinking, damn, who's going to be caring for me in these rest homes or whatever they're called for people who don't want to do a good job? Yeah. Who don't care. They just want the money. Yeah. yeah. It's scary. Very problematic to think of someone that doesn't really like, oh, yeah, my dad got me through dentistry. And it's like, so wait, you don't really want to be here and you have to do my root canal? Oh, no. <laughs> Let's go to a whole different dentist. That's not what we're doing today. <laughs> well, let me ask me something that I can be. Oh, 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 I know what I want to talk about. I want to talk about young people really being aware 
of what's happening politically in their community. Um, even though it sounds like you, your vote doesn't count or that it won't get counted, vote anyway. We have to. We have to, young people. Don't get turned off. That's what the opposition wants from us, yeah. to get turned off. And I always show people this scar on uh, my 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 arm from a German shepherd that just bit the hell out of me in my young teens when we were trying to get our rights uh, of just eating in a restaurant. You know, why do we have to go to the back door? And the funny thing was when we were protesting and when, when they sucked the dogs on us, they let the African who spoke French, they let him in to eat at the counter. What? But because he spoke French, uh, he was okay. But we we black. He was blacker than us. He was almost bl blurple, I call it. <laughs> so that shows you how stupid prejudice is. But um, young people, I want you to just care about what 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 your vote is, because back in the day we couldn't vote. They fixed it so we couldn't. Have, I mean, can you imagine being asked to guess how many jar, how many marbles were in a jar, and then that I've if you guessed right, if you guessed right, you could you could vote. It was like a whole like just slew of tests that you had to pass and half of them were super random in order to be able to vote. And so we do have the politics working in so many states where they are putting uh, people in strategic positions to for our vote not to count. I mean, they want to decide who won. Uh, so even though that's being tried to be put in place, vote anyway, vote. And, and, and this business is about these long lines. You know, my daughter, she's in Atlanta and the in the black community, they have these tremendous long lines that she would go in the com white community and vote. And it would only take her like, what, 20 minutes. Wow. But now they've cut that out. They're saying you have to vote in your own area. And what is this ridiculous thing being fined or, or jailed if you get water, get out of line to get water? Yeah, or like you're handing people food or something. Yeah. Weird. I mean, it's it's just gotten to be blatantly just ridiculous and they don't care. So we have to care. And you, the only reason they're doing this is because they know they can't win legally they know that there's too many of us that are sick of all of this second-rate citizenship stuff that they will they want us to pay taxes they want us to w go out and risk our lives in wars they want all this stuff but then we can't come back home and be second-class citizens that's yeah. just not right. And it's a, and it's scary now because this is happening all over the the world. Mm -hmm. Fascism is really happening a lot. It's not just in our country. We don't have just QAnon here. We, uh, I think it was England. Who was it that just elected a fascist uh, president? Crazy. Hmm. If we get Trump people in, honey, we're going to be hanging from trees again and nobody caring. Yeah. And, you know, I, I always tell people when it comes to voting, they have to vote in more than just the presidential election. Oh, like Lord, I my local election, I'll be like, wait, you're trying to. Pay you know what I mean? And then right, right. About things that are changing or not happening within their cities and within their states. And it's like. You literally only voted for president. You didn't vote for Senate. You didn't even vote for, you know, your area representative. And that's why things are just so messed up around you, because nobody is even taking that time to vote on local elections. Because the chief needs Indians working with him. The Indians are in those those elections that you're talking about, who's going to support the, the president, the the Senate. And who's going to Congress? Yeah. Uh, who's your secretary of state? 
It's not going to like uh, say that we're deciding who won the election. We ain't counting. It doesn't matter that you that the most votes won. We're deciding. And uh, that's what young people have to understand. When I was in Atlanta, and I'll name the hotel, uh, this was about four or five years ago. Uh, I was there for a fundraiser. At, uh, well, maybe yeah. I better not. I might get sued. But um, you never know these days. People are real sue happy. Yeah, yeah. But I was at a very prominent hotel that in Atlanta, downtown, that has holds conferences and all of that, hundreds of people. And I couldn't get CNN. I could not get CNN. It was only Fox News. And CNN is based right based there in Atlanta. Huh. Now, so and then when I take Uber, even now, all you hear is the extreme right on the radio. I mean, so if you are in an area where you cannot get uh, different perspectives of what's going on or a different perspective of the inter interpretation of news and you hear the same thing over and over and over again getting brainwashed you start to believe what you hear mm -hmm. so you got to know who owns that station and where do they stand because even if the people who are uh projecting all these things it doesn't mean that that's their belief but that's what they have to go along with because that's what their boss says and that's what a lot of people don't realize about media sometimes when people are like, oh, why is this channel like this or why are they only talking about that? And it's like sometimes it's not the news anchor or the radio host. It's like sometimes you're really being told to be neutral. Other times mm -hmm. like you're being told that you have to be far left or far right, you know, and like even with me, it's like there was a point where I was told, do not go left, do not go right. Just state the facts and right. stay right down the middle. So that way we're not offending anybody. And it's like with me, I typically would be like, oh, well, this is my thought about this. And th but my bosses were yeah. like, we're not doing that. This is Seattle. Like people are real sensitive around here. We need to stay right down the middle. Well, I must say that on my Instagram, which I I have to say, I've been very naughty. I don't really keep up with it anymore. But um, I try to remain neutral. I, like I, I'm encouraging people get your, do your voting or uh, I try to make people aware of or right, we got in, we got a woman of color on our supreme justice. Uh, those kind of things, but you could probably figure that I'm a Democrat. Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you this um, uh, before I uh, get ready to let you go here. What does, uh, did I ask you what self-love looks and feels like to you? Self-love? Oh. What does it look like? I think when you're willing, <laughs> I think when you're willing to be a little selfish mm. and take time out for yourself. And, and for me, it's hard to do. Um, but it's okay to be a little selfish because whatever you're doing for somebody else and not doing for yourself, when you're gone, you can't do it then. That part. <laughs> right. So take care of yourself. It's like on um, when you're on an airplane, they always say, put your oxygen mask on first mm -hmm. before you try to help someone else. So it's okay to take care of yourself first. And sometimes we have to just learn to do that. And yeah. by taking care of yourself might be the best help that you can give to another. Yeah, my grandma used to always say, you can't, you can't pour from an empty cup. <laughs> oh, that, I love that. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you got to take time to, re, to rejuvenate yourself, be it spiritually, physically, mentally, whatever, because... We're in a society and in families, we give, give, give so much. And even 
in the universe, there's so much negativity that we're taking in without us even knowing. Yeah. And you've got to have time to take in the positive. I mean, it's, I'm in Los Angeles, and the way I know this is a dirty city is that I have to wash my windows on every week. And, and I'm, so I'm taking in whatever that dust is, whether yeah. I know it or not. And when I go away for weeks at a time and shut up everything, dust is still in the house. <laughs> Thank God that I cover the furniture. I cover my piano. So we don't we don't see all this that we're taking in. Yeah. So we have to take the time to love ourselves and be totally healthy. Because when I'm totally healthy, I don't crave bad food. It's not necessary for me to, to cuss somebody out when they're yelling at me when I'm driving. I don't I'm not in, I don't I'm not drawn into road rage. It's a peace. It's an inner peace that's really lovely. Yeah. I um I always love it when someone has a road rage moment. Like I live downtown Seattle, so I don't drive. I just take Ubers everywhere. And every once in a while, I'll hear like a like a car honking behind us, and then they'll like just zoom by, and I'm like, well, someone's in a rush, and yeah. then they get stuck at the red light. Right, right. Where are you going? Right. <laughs> now you look crazy. You got all upset. You got yourself all riled up, and you still had to sit at this red light with me. And what did they do? Mm -hmm. Cut in front of you and put their brakes on to stop. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Endangering like you. Our cars. Mm -hmm. For no yeah. reason. Um, last question. What is mm -hmm. one misconception of Miss Margaret? What is a misconception? Yes. Um, maybe that I don't I don't curse like a truck driver or an, or a <laughs> I learned it from my from my from my mother. And it just seems like sometimes you just have to say a good old down home curse word to get the point across. You have to just cuss somebody out. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's probably because they have you playing all these little nice roles. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you thought that was really me, you know? That was a script. <laughs> <laughs> I, maybe that's what they don't know about me. I, I'm pretty sure because I've never, I, I've never cursed anybody out on set. I love that. Now, um, right now, you are on a block party on BT Plus. Um, yeah, well, I don't know if it's still running because I don't know how long they air. But I will say this: some the, the coming out thing is Robin Gibbons thing. At the working title is Nana Project, and I don't know if it's, I think it's going to be a Netflix project, and then I have something that I'm going to be shooting in um, in January, which I can't talk about right now, but I am cast, uh, and then there's something that I'm trying to move into producing. With Blog Party, I was one of the executive producers, and with this other project that we're trying to get off uh, raise money for I'm one of the producers so you know old women they they want to push us out to pasture honey and I I refuse I'm gonna be creative doing something as you should like you so, have so much youth left in you like why would you just sit around <laughs> yeah well but you know that's the, that's been the, the trend for Hollywood I mean even regardless of of this ethnicity uh women after the age of 50 if we last that long we're supposed to be uh pushing out to the grazing fields i guess but uh things are changing but like i said young people you have to fight and be ready for whatever the change is or or something that it is that you're pursuing yeah. So I'm reading books I'm producing and talking to people and, and hopefully to get be more and more involved on that end of the perspective. And hopefully when I am cast or something, that it'll be more with comedy because I love comedy. Mm. <laughs> or that bitch role that you were looking for. <laughs> yeah, that would be good. I'm going to come down the line. I can cut somebody out in a comedic way. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because when I worked with Monique uh, in with 
Martin Martin Lawrence's film, uh, what was it? Welcome Home, Roscoe Jenkins. Monique was so funny. She is really okay. funny, and she can get down. So between takes, it's like I asked the director, uh, Spike Lee's brother, uh, Martin Lee, I think it was his name. Uh, I said, "Can I? I want to play the dozens with Mo Monique. Let me get down." He says, "No, you're the mother. You have to be yeah. good." And I said, "Oh, sh f that!" You know, <laughs> you were definitely very sweet in that movie. <laughs> I know a dog. The only one that didn't have any like spice added into their personality. I know it. Ooh, I could have had some fun had I been able to play the dozen. <laughs> <laughs> they should have done like an alternative ending for that. Monique, ooh, I would have fooled her behind. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he has to do something in the future, you know? Yeah. Never well, until next time, uh, make sure everyone know where they can find you at on Instagram. Even though you don't post, I know you'll be back posting very okay. soon. Oh, okay, Margaret Sugavery. Yeah. And Margaret Sugavery is Instagram, and uh, Margaret Avery is uh, uh, is Facebook. And I'm gonna get better. I'll get better. I just needed a break. It's just, and you know, uh, and uh, I've tried to post a lot of times, but. Instagram keeps changing how they want you to post and and then they don't tell you what the change is. You go to do what you normally do and now it doesn't work and I don't have any young people around me to tell me how it works. I say, oh, F it. And I don't I wind up not posting. I mean, if it makes you feel better, I went on there the other day. I was like, hey, when did they move this button? What is this? <laughs> yeah, they want you to just do reels now, I think. Yeah, they turned all the videos into reels and those are supposedly doing better if your videos are like 90 seconds or less. Mm. All these little rules. I've got to like get with some young person that knows how to do everything and write notes so that I don't forget. <laughs> so I'm good at remembering scripts, but these directions for all this tech stuff, I, I if, you, if you're not doing it every day, you just don't, it, I forget. You'll forget. Well, shoot, you guys have my email. You can always hit me up if you need some help. Or something. Okay. I do digital management for iHeart and a whole nother company, which is called Converge Media. So, okay. <laughs> well, then text me. Let me know. I'll, I'll, I'll hit up on you. Okay. Okay. Let well, shoot. Know. Until next time, you guys, make sure that you, of course, have an amazing day. And again, Miss Margaret, I want to thank you so much for uh -huh. taking this time to give us so much of your wisdom, so much of your knowledge. And I honestly can't see what you end up producing next. Okay, thank you. I'm always willing to learn. You're never too old to learn. All right, you guys, that is it for today's episode of Rewind with Besa. I hope that you guys enjoyed it. And I hope that you even learned something about Miss Margaret Avery. I think it's so crazy that she ended up playing Shook Avery and her last name is actually Avery. And she was such a joy to talk to. Hit me up on IG at Besa Gordon or even drop a comment below on who you want for me to interview next. In the meantime, between time, if there are any other events happening in around Seattle or Tacoma, I really need to find some Tacoma events. Um, let me know. That way I can shout them out. But of course, until next Next time, I hope that you guys have an amazing rest of your day and you already know what to do. Keep that energy high. Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.